Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. I wrote something a while back that it just kind of stayed in my in my uh, my computer. I, I wrote something. I called it simply "Heaven's Point of View Dash Worship," and uh, it's just a, it's just a little standalone, or it may not be. It all depends on how God feeds my spirit tonight. But I just, I just feel that this is a wonderful time to talk about the place called heaven. Let me, uh, let me say something to you tonight, you that are here. This is in no way degrading anyone. I'm very honored you came to hear the pastor and still, instead of hearing the president staying at home. Mr. Obama speaking tonight. Thank you for being here to hear the pastor tonight. And uh, I'm going to write him and tell him I had a house full of people on Wednesday night. You know what? I'm going to tell you the truth. He'd like me. I wouldn't leave his office till he did. He would like me. And uh, I might take him a jersey from CLC and, uh, and say, we had, people, we had people come to hear me preach on the night you gave your speech at the Democratic National Convention. I love you folks. Turn to somebody and say, I'm glad to be in the house of God. And it's, a, it's an honor. And you may be seated. <clears throat> I'm not going to be lengthy tonight. And I'm not going to be extremely funny tonight. But I will be understood tonight. Some of you folks didn't understand one thing that guy said. You didn't. You might as well admit it. You didn't understand nothing he said. But you, you, caught, a, you caught a word every now and then. You liked it. And the spirit bear witness. We had a beautiful, beautiful day. When I asked people that had received the Holy Spirit for the first time, at least 40 to 50 hands were raised. And I know that people text me, they've been texting me and said, Pastor, I was overwhelmed by the power of God on Sunday. The presence of God was in my life and touched my life and filled my life. And so I am, I am very grateful. I'm, I'm so happy that there is churches in America that the Holy Spirit is not just a silent partner. It's the real deal. And it's nothing to be afraid of. It's a joyous thing to embrace in your life. And there's going to come a day when you're going to really, really need that as we get closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to need that presence in your life. So Sunday was a beautiful day. Many were changed. Many were saved. Many healed. Many filled with the Spirit. My granddaughter, Caroline, was in Patty's arms Sunday night and when Pastor David told us all to lift our hands and those that had the Holy Spirit, if you would just start speaking in a prayer language or your language of, of tongues and, and then those that wanted it, just lift your hands beside them and yes. the Holy Spirit would come upon you. And it happened. Yes. It happened. Yes. Well, my wife got, got her, her language going and got to speaking in tongues. She was holding Caroline and Caroline said, what are you doing, sweet pea? What are you doing? And she said, I'm praising God. She said, oh, okay, okay, that's fine. So Monday night at dinner, at dinner, Brad was asking the table, he asked little Windsor, what would you think about church, son? And Windsor said, oh, Dad, it was fantastic. You know, he's a, he's a mature young man. He's five years old. He's so mature. <laughs> oh, Dad, it was awesome. And then he said, Caroline, what do you think? She said, 
Oh, I liked it. She said, and, and, and sweet, tea, sweet Pea was speaking minion. <laughs> so help me God. I didn't know my wife sounded like minion. If you're a guest here tonight, we honor you and we thank you for being here. Uh, so God came near on Sunday. He really has. And it's been noised abroad. You can't keep the move of God quiet. I don't do Facebook. And I'm sorry, but I don't, that's not, that's not to apologize. I just don't do Facebook. But many do. And it is hit and people are calling and texting about what has happened at Christian Life Church. I'm going to go into a word tonight. John, John the Beloved who wrote the book of John and the book of Revelation, was boiled alive in oil one day, and he did not die. And so because of the law of double jeopardy, he was sent to the Isle of Patmos to die. And while there, he received a revelation and a prophetic vision, how the affairs of mankind would wrap up. And he saw the last days of life. As part of the vision, he recorded the following, Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 through uh, verse 13, he said, and I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, everybody say loud voice. It wasn't quite worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea are all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. That's some powerful words. Powerful words. That's in Revelation chapter 5. You can read that if you want to. Let me put a few things in perspective. Number one, Jesus taught his disciples to pray like this. Everybody say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, since 95% of heaven's time is made up of worship, maybe we should practice his presence a little more in our lives. Every day, not just at church, but every day. The Bible says praise is calmly for the upright. And worship comes from the words worth-ship, worth-ship, which means something worthwhile needs to be worshipped. Here is heaven's point of view. John said that the number of angels was 10,000 times 10,000. That figure is 100 million. But you have to add to those thousands upon thousands that he wrote about, not an exact number, but somewhere in the hundreds of millions, an innumerable angelic host was declaring unanimously that Christ, God manifest in the flesh, 1 Timothy 3.16, was worthy to receive power and honor and glory and blessing. Everybody say power, power. and honor, honor and glory, glory. and blessing. blessing. Wow. The Bible says that they were saying it in a singularly loud voice. Heaven is about Worship. It's about a rainbow about the throne, like unto an emerald, which is the stone of the tribe of Judah. It's about our troubles being over. It's about no more crying. Heaven's about no more dying. Heaven's about no more depression. 
Heaven's about no more decay. Heaven's about no more pain. Heaven's about no more suffering. Heaven's about no more loneliness. Heaven's about no more grief. Heaven's about no more disease. Hallelujah. And it is a time when the saints, the redeemed, will declare and say so. When with one voice, yet the sound of many waters, we will all declare hallelujah. In fact, there's four of them. There's four hallelujahs in the Bible. I'll preach about them one day again. I've preached about them before. Some of you have never heard them. I'll preach about them again. But say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. It's a universal word. No matter if you speak Portuguese or Chinese or no matter if you speak Swahili, the word hallelujah is a singular word around the world. And one day every tribe and every kindred and every tongue and every nation are going to stand on the other side of the rainbow and we're going to lift our voices as many waters and we're going to declare. There's one guy that's in this church that I'll hear. He's my buddy and I just heard him right then. I'll hear him on that day too. Point number two, yet we are handicapped when it comes to evaluating the worth of Jesus. We're handicapped. We're inadequate. Inadequate to formulate an opinion of God. For we cannot see his entirety. For he contains within himself all of time and all of space. He is bigger than our senses can perceive. And larger than a mind can process. Zophar, the supposed friend of Job in the book of Job, framed the problem eloquently in Job 11 and 7. He said, can you fathom The mysteries of God. Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths of the grave. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. You can't probe the mysteries of God. Even Moses, a friend of God, was told that he would be allowed only a brief glimpse of God. And not the face of God because you can't look on the face of God and live. But he said, I will pass by you and you'll see my hinder parts. But that was about all he would be able to handle. He said, I want to see your glory. And God said, I'm going to let my goodness come by. You can't handle my glory till you handle my goodness. And one reason that this church, oh, I feel like talking right now, could handle the glory on Sunday night was because we've been able to handle the goodness of God in our life. You are an understanding group of people that goodness and mercy are in your life every day. Amen. Amen. And when you can handle goodness, God will let you see glory in your life. We today still see God's in bits and flashes of his glory. We catch no more than a hint of his presence. Our most intense encounters with God can only be compared to feeling the spray of the ocean across our face. And if you feel spray, you can say you've been touched by the ocean, maybe so. But you cannot say that you know every crevice in its depth, nor the creatures that move in it. Knowing God is like trying to comprehend the intricate plot of a two-hour movie when all you see is a few steel frames. The slivers of time in which we view God, the brief glimpses and flashes of Him are insufficient to allow us to make correct judgments about Almighty God. 
So we are guilty of making freeze-frame judgments about God. Seventy years, that's life's promise. By reason of strength, 80, what's that against eternity? We're very fortunate to survive that long, to reach 80. We're richly blessed to reach 80. Measure that against eternity. And we get a microscopic view. We make judgments about God based on our very short, very short life that we live on this earth. Let me preach now. So we try to quantify him like we do people that we know. We watch each other. And based on those observations, we make judgments about each other. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But one cannot make an accurate assessment in that short a period of time. I have missed it on people that I thought I knew in this life. So this I know. Our longest lives are too short to pass judgment about Almighty God. I'm going to say it again. Our longest lives are too short to pass judgment about Almighty God. There's a precious friend of mine in Temple at the VA hospital. His name is Arthur Cagle. He's 92 years young, and he's about to cross over to the other side. And even those 92 years, the time has constrained him. He cannot pass judgment about God. He has not lived long enough to understand the awesomeness, the greatness, the beauty, the wisdom, the power, the glory, the blessing, the honor of Almighty God. Stay with me. I'm fixing to preach to you. Time constrains us. But if one could see his problem, if one could see their problem from a thousand years in the future or a thousand years in the past, that problem would be so insignificant that you're feeling right now. But because we cannot see there or we cannot go back there, it would be ludicrous to tell you that your problems don't matter and that they are meaningless because they do matter and they are meaningful. So we judge God. We judge God on faithfulness. Say faithfulness. On how well he comes through in our crisis time. About that long. We judge fairness on his understanding of our events. We judge love, but how much of it we believe we have received. And our understanding of him based on our experience with him. So we judge faithfulness, fairness, love, and understanding on just brief interludes of things that we go through in life. And absent of that experience, we will judge him based on the people that claim to represent God. And tonight, I hope that I can represent God to this congregation one more time. Because God has given me a word to speak to this congregation. You cannot freeze frame reference God you can't put him in a time capsule he is forever he is always he is never ending he's which was which is and which is to come he's the almighty he's the alpha he's the omega he's the beginning he's the end there is nothing before him and there will be nothing after him because he is God And he alone created the heavens and the earth. Isaiah said he sees the end from the beginning. He calls things to be that were not as though they were. He sees it all. Therefore, Paul called him a righteous judge in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. I know I'm giving you a lot of word here tonight, but stay with me. I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been there back in the book of Ruth. And been able to talk to Naomi. When she came home from Moab, saying, call me Mara, for I am bitter. 
I went out full and I came back empty. I wish I could have been there with what I know now, way down the road about where she was. I wish I could have said, Naomi, 1,000 years from now, this thing that you're calling bitter in your life won't matter one ounce. God will not judge you as you have judged yourself. Hallelujah. I wish I could have gotten to Lot and told him, you made a mistake. You got out of Sodom and Gomorrah with your daughters, but you made a mistake with your girls and the people of Moab were birthed. But evidently you repented, Lot, because you put something in your grandsons. You put something in your great-grandsons. And 550 years later, a Moabitess girl named Ruth hangs on to a bitter woman named Naomi and goes back to Israel with her and becomes the lineage of Jesus Christ. Wow. I want to stop right now and tell you I don't care what mistakes you have made in your life. Don't you judge yourself too quickly. And don't you judge God too quickly. Because there's no telling what's going to come out of that mistake. There ain't no telling what's going to come out of that problem. There ain't no telling what's going to come out of that dilemma. And somebody down the road is going to call your name and say, yeah, they thought it was over. And God was just getting started in their life. So the moral, don't judge yourself too quickly. Don't do it. Moral, don't judge others too quickly. Moral, please don't judge God in a freeze frame. Everybody say, thank you, Pastor. If I don't preach anything else tonight, I'm going to tell you, don't you judge yourself too quickly. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you say it's over in my life. Don't you say God's finished because I made too bad of a mistake. Don't you judge yourself. And you that see somebody make a mistake, don't you judge others too quickly. Because though I fall, I shall arise. And though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. And for God's sake, don't you judge God in a freeze frame. God's bigger than anything you could ever imagine. He's greater than any problem you could ever have or face or come in contact with. He's a great God. Clap your hands real big and say, I will not be guilty of that. Not a sliver of time. No. Not a knee jerk. No. Not a reaction. No. Isn't it amazing? So if I can't make a fair assessment of God from my life, I need to go to go to someone that knows something about him for more than my short 70 or perhaps 80 years. Are you with me? That's what I call heaven's point of view. My text read that the angels, thousand times thousand, rest not, but say continually, continually. Worthy, worthy is, is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. These angels were there in the beginning. They saw Lucifer fall because of pride. They saw one third of their friends get kicked out of heaven. 
They saw the creation. They saw the making of man and woman. They saw that fall of man and woman. They witnessed the flood. They saw God's fairness in the flood. They were present at the midnight exodus of Israelites from Egypt. They witnessed the birth of Jesus at Bethlehem. They saw his miracles. They saw Calvary. They witnessed the resurrection. They were there for the good and the bad and the ugly. And Clint Eastwood hadn't even made that movie yet. Yet they still worshiped. Saying worthy is the lamb. It didn't matter if there was high or low or good or bad or up or down or in or out. They didn't care. Everything they saw the Almighty do, they understood that all this stuff that he dealt with, he dealt in fairness and in grace and in mercy. And they still declared, worthy is the Lamb. When I can't judge him fairly, because I see him in just slivers of time and knee-jerk reactions, I know someone that can. God got fed up with Job one day and his friends. He did. And for 37 chapters, they spouted off about how much they knew about God. And finally, God said, who is this that darkens my counsel? With words without knowledge. (laughs) You are so ignorant, Job. You're talking out of your head and you're not saying one thing right. And for the next three chapters, God hammers Job about seeing the whole picture. Because if you don't see the whole picture, you're just words without knowledge. You're just wind in the mouth. And Job got so embarrassed when God put him on the skewer, he told himself to shut up. He said, shut up. He said, I need to shut up. And God went on to say, if you ask, if I ask you a thousand questions, Job, you could not answer one out of a thousand. And then God did ask him a question, four chapters worth. Driving home a point. Job, until you can tell me where I hide the light. And at the same glance, see where the she-goat has her ewe lamb. You don't have a clue. You know what Job taught me? He taught me something. That life is really simple. Quit trying to figure all this stuff out. And worship God. Worship God. Worship God. Worship God. Quit trying to figure it all out. You'll never get it figured out. But there's one in the heaven that's got it all figured out. And I'm going to worship him. And I'm going to tell him like the Democrats are telling Hillary. I'm with him. And no matter what's happened in my life, I'm going to worship him. No matter if syrup goes to a dime of salt, I'm going to worship him. No matter if the world turns upside down, I'm going to worship him. No matter if things go bleak in the night, I'm going to worship him. Because I understand something. That God has been around a long time and I can't judge him. I can't even talk about him. I've got to praise him because that's what I need to do. That's heaven's point of view. Woo! Then the Lord taught me something about worship. Here it is. To see how worship works. 
You need to go to the first worship service in the Bible. Genesis chapter 4 is the first worship service in the Bible. It reads like this. Two men showed up. One's name was Cain. The other's name was Abel. And Cain brought his blessings, the fruit of the ground. Everybody say his blessings. The fruit of the ground. But God did not respect Cain's offering. Because it was about Cain's blessings. God wanted to prove worship is not about blessings. As powerful as God moved here Sunday night. Some of you need to understand something. You don't worship him because he moved like that on Sunday night. You worship him because he's God on Monday morning. He would not respect the offering of Cain because it was about his blessings. The kingdom of God is not what a man possesses. Because when he doesn't possess it, he has nothing to worship for and nothing to worship with. Abel, on the other hand, brought a lamb, one year old, and God accepted the sacrifice. God, man, because worship is not about how much God has blessed me. It is because of the fact that he is the lamb of God. And I sacrifice when I worship him. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And though the skin worm destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. I will magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. David said at all times, his praise and worship shall be in my mouth forever. Let me say to you tonight in this service, Worship is not about you being blessed. Amen. Amen. It's not about your blessing. It's about your sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God. And I don't care if things go horrible wrong in your life this week. I do care, but I don't care in this sermon. I'm just telling you. You don't worship God because you got a blessing Sunday night. You worship God because he's God on Wednesday night. You bring your sacrifice to him. You bring your offering to him. You bring it because worship is about giving of yourself when everything is going under. From Genesis 4 to Revelation 5. The lamb has always been worthy. The only one worthy to take the book. The only one worthy to open the book. The only one worthy to judge the world is the lamb. Heaven's worship is about a lamb. And God gave us that answer in Genesis. So I declare to this congregation tonight. I know it's been very, very simple tonight. This has been a very simple sermon. 
but it was so simple I lost some of you in the middle of it. But I want to tell you with no uncertainty that the greatest worship I have had in my life is when I was going under and couldn't see how I was going to get over. And I worshiped him. And God provided a way out. He provided a way out. He provided a way out. The greatest victories of your life are not when you're on top being blessed. And you say, "Woo, hallelujah, I can praise him. God rejected that offering from Cain. It was a blessings offering. No, no, no. That's not why I want you to worship me. I want you to worship me because I'm the Lamb of God. I want you to worship me because I am who I am. That's why I want it. And angels have said it for eternity. Worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. And this congregation, no matter what happens this week, no matter what happens the rest of this month, no matter what happens in your fall, no matter what happens in, your, in, in, in the rest of your year, we are going to come in this house and we're going to worship the Lamb of God. For he is worthy of our worship. He said it this way, if I be lifted up, Randy, if you'll help me. We held just a long Sunday night. I'm going to let you out early tonight so y'all can visit and talk. And go drink coffee and go to Denny's, whatever you want to do. I'm pretty good at that. I don't have to preach all the, all night long Amen. to bless this church because y'all are smart enough to get it. But I, 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 I know that even, even after Sunday, I've received some phone calls this week and I never will divulge anything, but I've received some phone calls of people that are in pain. I had folks walk in the door. One of the joys of me standing at that door is people walk through and say, Pastor, I got a son. I got a daughter. I've got a problem. I got a situation. Would you just pray? They don't hold me hostage out there, but they just say, would you pray? And you're in this house tonight. And we had a, we had a blast here Sunday night. But if we praise him for the blessing and worship him for the blessing, it's not real worship. God rejects that. You got to worship him because of who he is not what he's done. And so tonight, as we close this service tonight, as we close, we're going to stand up here in just a minute and we're going to lift our hands because I love the way you did it Sunday night. I love the way you did it. Everything in this house lifted their hands. Everything in this house had their hands up. You know why? Because somebody told you to. But I'm going to tell you tonight that I'm not going to tell you that. I want you to do it because you want to. Amen. And you desire to lift your hands in the presence of Almighty God. And we're going to worship Him tonight. And we're going to pray for some needs here tonight. You don't have to know them. You don't have to understand what they're about. But there's people that's been hurting since Sunday. And we had that great service on Sunday. But Monday was another day. And Tuesday, the most insignificant day of the week, happened yesterday. And now we're on hump day and we're saying, God, can we make it? We've had more needs. We've had more benevolent requests in this church this month than any month of the whole year and any month that we've had in the last three or four years because people are hurting. But that's when you need to lift your hands. That's when you need to magnify the Lord and say, worthy is the Lamb. 
Worthy is the Lamb. Not when things are good. Not when your barns are full. Not when all the things are wonderful in your life. But when things are going tough. You need to magnify Him with worship. Would you stand all over the building right now? And I want you to do what you feel like doing. I want you to just worship God in your own way right now. Come on. Do what you feel like doing in the house right now. Do what you feel like doing. Come on, tell him. Tell him who he is. Tell him what it's about. Tell him what it's about. I worship you because you're God. I, I worship you because you are the Messiah of my life. I worship you because you have saved me. I worship you because you've redeemed me. I worship you because you are always with me. I worship you. I worship you because you are God. You are worthy. You're worthy. The lamb is worthy. The lamb is worthy. The lamb is worthy. The lamb is worthy tonight. The lamb is worthy tonight. It really is. The lamb is worthy. Worthy is the lamb. Come on. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy, 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 worthy. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb of God. You know, in that fifth chapter, John had been there for a whole chapter. For in chapter four, the Lord bid him to come up. He said, come up, come up hither. I want to show you some things. And when John got into that heavenly realm, you know what he saw? He witnessed four and 20 elders taking their crowns and casting them to the feet of the Lord. And he was in a worship service. He was in an old fashioned worship service. That's what John was in in heaven. And that's what he wrote to us about. And in John 5, I mean Revelation 5, he's still in that worship service. And then the Lord sends him back to earth in this vision or whatever he was in. And in chapter 6 through chapters 18, 13 chapters there, John sees the end time, the tough times, the rough times, the bad times, and how tough it's going to get in the end time. He sees that. He sees that. But in Revelation chapter 19, John is still worshiping. Here's the deal, folks. The thing about church that's so powerful and so wonderful is that not only do you get to hear good, good music, you get to hear a word. But the most important thing is you get to worship in corporateness with other believers in the house of God. And sometimes God wants you just to absolutely worship him because he's preparing you for a Revelation 6 through Revelation 18. There's some tough times coming. But he'll always let you be in a worship service to prepare you for that. Because he is a God that takes care of his kids. Amen. He wants you to love him. He wants you to worship him. Why don't you worship him one more time. Come on, lift your hands all over the house. Lift your hands all over the house. Hallelujah. He's an audacious God. He wants you to love him in his house. Heaven's point of view is worship. It really is. So we're going to pray for some needs tonight. I want you to join hands with your neighbor. We're going to pray as a solemn group of people and show a spirit of solemnity and unity. We're going to do it right now. Join someone's hand and lift it up just like this, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for needs. Let's say, Lord, would you touch needs? And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, 
or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.